Three things. The wedding of Cana, the Eucharist, and the cross. In the wedding of Cana, you find um, a miracle that wasn't necessary. It's not necessary in the sense that uh, Christ had to do it in order to save these people who are sick, save these people who have even gone astray. In the wedding of Cana, it's gratuity. It's freely given, not necessary. And it's the first of the miracles, the first of the signs. In the wedding of Cana, he changes the water into wine. And the wine being this great symbol of joy, it's also a sign of the passion as it's a sign of the blood. And it is this great sign of the joy of love, because it's wine at a wedding, that overflows and is gratuitously given. Second thing, the Eucharist. The Eucharist itself, we know that the washing of the feet takes place. We know that he, in the Eucharist, becomes bread for us, is given to us as food. It is introduced in many a way by that act of Mary Magdalene when she gratuitously pours her ointment upon his feet. The Eucharist is given to us freely. It's not necessary. God could have saved us in other ways. But he chose to go all the way and love us unto the end. And gratuitously, freely, coming from the depth of his infinite love, he chose to give us his very heart so that he might be with us and that God might be with us here and now in the present moment. The cross. St. Thomas Aquinas and many of the saints are very clear in saying that God could have saved us in another way. He didn't have to go all the way to the cross in order for us to be saved. The cross itself was freely chosen, and it is that free gift when he turns and obeys his Father. He's offering all that he is unto the end. So much so that he says, my cross is easy, my burden is light. For he's offering it from the depth of his infinite love. God could have found another way to do it in his infinite wisdom, knowing all things. But he did not. He did choose one way. And that was the cross. In all three of those, you find a theme that weaves through the entire Old Testament into the New. Speaking of the gratuity 
of God's love. The love that is freely given. That God has loved us first. That much is so clear. And he shows to us as model in the Eucharist of what we're called to be. Freely given. Completely given. It's only this that makes sense of the contemplative life. The contemplative life is a life that is like Mary Magdalene's oil. It's this perfume that is worth a year's worth of wage, wasted on the feet of Christ. They say that a lot in French. They use that term in French, wasted at the feet of Christ, to burn away all your time. When you come before adoration, before the Blessed Sacrament, you're burning away all of your time. And really, the contemplative life only makes sense in this gratuitous act of love, freely given. And it's the only thing that makes sense of this world, too. This world is looking for making sense in doing this and doing that. In keeping busy, per se. But in reality, often this world is avoiding, is running away from love. Is that great saying, love is not loved, right? Love is not loved. And how true that is, because this offering that we're celebrating today in Foundation Day is this offering and saying, no, love is loved. And I bring up these things because of the gospel today. For in the gospel today, he does the multiplication of bread and fish. And it wasn't necessary. It totally wasn't necessary. He could have sent them off to go buy food. He really didn't need to do that. We could say it was necessary because they might have fainted on the road, but we're really reading into the text. It doesn't say that they would have fainted on their way home. It says he wanted to. He had mercy upon them. He loved them. And so he healed their sick. He preached to them. And he fed them. It was a gratuitous act. And I think that's the heart of the gospel today is this gratuity. And we live in a strange time. Very strange, especially in this last year or so. It's like it's gone crazy. And it seems that everyone is divided up and down and left and right. The world itself, not even speaking about the church, is so divided, so split, that you can't help but see the tale of the devil in all of that. The devil is the one who divides. And it's making the world want to um, seek justice all the time, tearing things down, destroying 
It's reactions and fear very often. Or envy, a lot of envy today, and jealousy. Jealousy of the high class from the low class. Jealousy from this group of people towards that group of people. Power, domination. And in reality, it seems like everybody is blaming everybody else. Like with Adam and Eve, you know? Right after they sinned, what did they do? First of all, they hid. They didn't want to face God anymore. And that's the destruction of the contemplative life. They can't look at God in the eyes. And they can't sit in his presence. And the second thing they do is they blame. She did it. The devil did it. And they no longer take responsibility. And so what do we do in response to the world and the church at times too? What do we do facing this? Act of gratuity. The contemplative life. The offering of all I have and all I am. Wasting it at the feet of Christ like St. Therese would speak about when she's speaking about taking the flower petals and throwing them at the feet of Christ. Wasting my heart and my life, all the love I have in me, burning it up in a flame before the Lord. Laying it down. For there is nothing else that fights pride like that. And I mentioned about the tale of the devil But that's the devil. I could mention also about us. The pride that structures us seems to be rearing its ugly head, as always, but particularly now in certain ways. And how do you respond to pride? How do you respond to pride? The number one way to respond to pride is selfless gift of love. Naming pride for what it is. Naming sin for what it is. But that's not enough to call a spade a spade. We have to go further than that. For the devil too knows that sin is sin. But he just doesn't care. Love is the only response to this world. And the free gift of all that I am In gratuitous acts, day in and day out, especially for the Lord coming in and, you know, offering that little act, you know, that little act of prayer, that movement of my heart, that little candle to be lit, that spontaneous prayer that wells up from within and shouting it out to the Lord, that act of love to the Lord, that's the only response. And... On top of it, the act of love for my brother, my sister. That gratuitous act facing my own difficulties. Not running away, but looking at those whom I love or those who are given to me in the eyes and offering my heart. And so St. Therese had it right when she moves in that little way and she says it's those little acts of love, those little things that are in concrete things though, those acts of gift, of gratuity, 
where I give of myself for my sister and my brother. There's no greater response. No building is built without many bricks. No great work can happen without little acts of great love. And so if we are to stand steadfast before a culture that goes haywire, it is all, and, has, and has always been the contemplative life that is at the heart of it. And it is the contemplative life that stands firm. For we're not standing firm just against the culture. We're standing before Christ. And we're saying to him, I love you. Receive me as I am in my poverty. Take me to your heart. Unite me with your Father. What we're doing is we're not running away from God anymore. But we're allowing God to love us and trying to love him gratuitously in return.